A mighty feast of hot steaming music brought to you in stereo by bostonfreeradio.com. Boston Free Radio has no corporate agenda. We're independent media for the people. Your music, your voice, your station. Hey, what's good, y'all? It's your man, the indefinable Sterling Golden. This is The Chop Session, held down by 320 Entertainment. We thank y'all once again for locking in for this award-winning series here on Boston Free Radio. 60 minutes of thought-provoking, intimate conversation with the names you need to know now. Family, in case you sleep on an episode of The Chop Session or you happen to lock in late for a premiere here on Boston Free Radio, Say less, we got you. You can stream each and every episode of The Chop Session on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other fine digital streaming platforms. So this week here on The Chop Session, y'all, we've got a man who has been deemed a pillar of the New England music community. This man is an award-winning musician, educator, and entrepreneur extraordinaire. And y'all, we are honored to have this man across from me this evening in the studio on The Chop Session. His name is Tim Hall. Tim, welcome to The Chop Session, sir. Happy Monday evening. What's good? Hey, how's it going, Sterling? Hey. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's uh, another another week, another start to a week, and um, it's a busy time of the year for me, but I'm feeling really good and thankful. Hey, we're grateful to have you on this week, Tim. We know that with all you do in our community, schedule has got to be slammed. <laughs> I know the feeling, believe me. So with all you do, man, you made time for us this evening for 60 minutes. So we appreciate you for being on the chop session this week. Tim's going to be a dope interview for sure. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. No problem, man. So much happening right now with Tim Hall, y'all. As you already know, we had the EP Trust the Process drop a few months back. You had the title track featured on the Sterling Collection playlist for several weeks. And recently, we had a Still Gold collab drop called Massive, presented by my friends at Leeds Edutainment. More on that later on. That features Tim Hall. But we're going to take this conversation to the beginning of the artistic journey, if you will, of Tim Hall, beginning at the age of 10, when you first decided to pick up the saxophone. Really, only one place to start here, Tim, and that is what led to young Tim Hall taking up this course at such a young age. Yeah, my 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 family, my upbringing, um, being from Detroit, Michigan, a black city, Motown music catalyst to so many other genres, rock music, house music, um, and, and the list goes on. Being in that environment and thankfully growing up in a household where music and the arts were were appreciated, I had a lot of influence and support from my parents, um, and particularly my father and I had a strong connection and tie and relationship through music between my dad and my grandfather. I had a lot of encouragement to explore jazz as a genre of music to play and, and take that on um, and my let my imagination kind of grow with it, as well as the church. Growing up in an environment where I was going to church and the 
the the my, my pastors were encouraging the the youth to get involved. Uh, my best friend um, and his his family owned a church and learned how to play in the church and and learned how to improvise, play jazz music, blues, gospel, R and B, and so forth. I, I thankfully had a an environment where it was absolutely nurtured. My artistic and creative capacity and imagination was supported in a really, I think, intentional way. So it's it's been a a really cool journey since, and uh, I'm appreciative of that foundation for sure. Now, what kind of music was being heard around the house during that time? You're 10 years old. You mentioned the church. You mentioned your folks. Mm-hmm. So around the Tim Hall household, uh, what kind of music was on the turntable or the CD player? <laughs> yeah, my my pops was often playing anything from jazz to bebop to smooth jazz to southern rock, R&B, um, soul music, gospel music. There there were the brand new heavies. There were um, Mays, Finkin, Franklin Beverly. There's Earth, Wind & Fire. There's Dave Koz and Kenny Garrett to um, Coltrane to Leonard Skinner and Aerosmith to of <laughs> uh, uh, the, the Waynes family. Like there, there's so many different routes that um, we would go in in the house in terms of the style of music that was that was being played for sure. You gotta lose your mind in Detroit Rock City mm-hmm. for real, Tim. I hear you, man. So before long, you connected with poetry also as another way to express yourself artistically. So in your opinion, Tim, what is it that connects poetry and music as forms of artistic expression? Obviously, that goes back decades. Mm-hmm. You know, but what do you think connects the two? Music becomes a uh, the the heartbeat to to a space. I feel like music allows for um, an invitation of a, a vibe in, in in a way that um, I think poetry has given me the opportunity to explore music in a in a unique in a different way. I'm not a singer. I'm not a rapper. And I think poetry gave me an identity as a performer that added value to my artistic capability as a saxophonist. And it allowed me to verbalize my feelings in a different way than how I communicate my feelings as a performer with an instrument. And poetry was always this space for me that was a little more intimate. It allowed me to share my feelings, to process, to reflect, to make sense of my environment, of my transitions in life. And performing was something that came very comfortable for me. Yeah. Having had a such a long musical foundation and journey that poetry often intimidated me for a while. And as I started to realize like the two can have a symbiotic relationship for me, it allowed me to, it kind of like liberated, liberated me to being able to create an identity for myself that fit within um, the, the music space and differentiated me a, a bit from other artists and performers. 
And for me, that I think is really vital and or has been vital for me because it allowed me to to identify kind of my lane and have an understanding of, okay, this is there's some folks out there that do some similar things and okay, cool. Like there's 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 a way to be successful with this. There's a way to grow and develop. There's folks out there that are are digging what I'm making and and are, are vibing with what I create. So it I think it's been a journey of discovery for me and and learning to continue to uncover what that relationship is between poetry and music. And um, it's, it's been a fun one for sure. Well, definitely it's resonating, Tim. We have folks like Victoria Wazalak of Vanyaland calling you a pillar of our community as far as the arts go. Thank you. You know, so that right there is great validation. Big shout out to Victoria and Vanyaland. Absolutely. Calling it on a billion on that one. <laughs> you know, I'll say that right now. So in your view, Tim, what is it about art that keeps humans grounded, keeps humans together, and keeps humans healthy? I, I think that art is human in and of itself. That's what it, it's derivative of, of existence of, of us. I think art is nature. Art is a part of creation. Um, we get art through existing and because art is such a perceptive and like, you know, it's based on folks perception of an experience of a feeling of a reaction of a moment that the beautiful thing about art is um, it's this kind of infinite thing. And obviously with society and, and folks, you then start to compartmentalize it and you create genres, you create industries and careers and so forth. And there's some, there's some deeply rooted, um, there's, it's deeply rooted in our society in so many different facets that I feel like Art has allowed us and has been at the the forefront and root of many communal movements, of a lot of activist movements, of change, of um, disruption, as well as it's been at the helm of liberation. It has allowed folks to engage with their lives in in a way that they may have never thought that they could before. There's still moments where I find myself finding songs that can express how I'm feeling better than I can say it for some, for some reason. And I think that's human. And that's because somebody, the human making that piece, making that art um, had the courage enough to, to say, say their words and, and put it into this format um, and allow folks to hear it. So I think art is humanity. Tim, what future possibilities do you see for the future of creative communities, in particular for poets and for poetry? I see a future where poetry is or will continue to grow and become more and more accepted. I, I think that we're starting to see poetry um, show up in mainstream music and mainstream um in, in mainstream entertainment 
in a very beautiful and and unique way um from artists like Beyonce to um Terrace Martin to um Kendrick to Childish Gambino to her to uh I mean the the chance the rapper there's so many artists that um have elevated poets at such a, a mainstream way that um I think that folks are starting to see it as more than this yield English type of thing or like or the Shakespearean thing or or or, or whatnot on a I think on a more global scale. Um and you obviously have pillars of the poetry community and and the the, the poetry world that have um been at the forefront from Gilsker Herring and Maya Angelou and Langston Hughes and so forth. Um, but you also have, you know, whole institutions and movements like the Deaf Poetry Slam and Button Poetry and, and, and so forth that I feel like it, it too is so embedded in our culture and in our society in a unique way. Um, we're starting to see that it's being elevated to a more mainstream um visibility, which I think is, is really cool and, and I think really important. Um, I'd like to see an examination, a continued examination of poetry slam as an art form and, um, you know, how do we continue to um, develop it and grow it into a place where folks can engage with it to poetry programs. Um, and even for me, where I'm thinking of as a, as a faculty member myself, how do I develop a course around the relationship between poetry and other art forms, whether it be dance or music or um, theater or, or, or film or, or whatnot. Um, so I think that the, the beautiful thing about poetry is it, it's extremely malleable. You're able to engage with it and, and partner and collaborate and explore it um, because it can shift and, and change shape. It can be a, a, page with five letters or it can be a whole book where every page is a part you know of like a, an entire book that's one poem yeah, and, and so forth so it, it has so much um capability that i think that the future is really bright for it for sure you mentioned earlier on hip-hop artists that resonate with me and a lot of other folks and of course obviously hip-hop and poetry go hand in hand you don't need me to tell you all that but I saw a tweet recently that I want to, you know, bring upon to you mm. in this interview. XXL Magazine recently asked folks on Twitter to name their top five favorite rappers, living or deceased. <laughs> now that question, you know, you get so many combinations of rappers, yeah. names you expect, names you haven't thought of in a minute. Yeah. So real quick, let's get Tim Hall's top my five favorite rappers, living or deceased. My five. My five. All right, so Kendrick, mm -hmm. and this is for me, I don't have a like order from like one, like one is top for me. It's just like these are five yeah. of my favorite lyricists. Mm -hmm. Kendrick, Hove, Andre 3000, mm -hmm. J. Cole, mm -hmm. Kanye. Kanye, okay. I mean, I think I grew up in a, in a time 
or I grew up in, well, I grew up in a family where I wasn't allowed to listen to rap music until I was 16. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I missed the Biggie Pac era and feel like I kind of entered into it. Like I, like, like I entered into it with mystical, like mystical is the first CD that I ever bought. And mm. Though I don't necessarily, um, fuck with mystical on a personal level, but that was just like the first project that I ever purchased. But then after that reasonable doubt, Jay-Z's reasonable doubt was like my first, my first CD, yeah. um, for hip hop artists. And I, I became an instant ho fan from there. But, um, yeah, I think music is is one of the, for me. I love music so much, so it's taught, it's kind of hard to say like, oh, these are the greatest that I've ever lived. Right. But I I was in terms of like the artists. When I think about when I when I respond to that, I look I look at like who are the artists that I listen to the most. Like my favorite are like these are the folks that I'm like are on my rotation. So definitely, Hove, Kendrick, J Cole, Andre Three Thousand. And by the way, y'all, before anybody hits me up on social media asking what my top five rappers, living or deceased, were in reply to XXL on Twitter, they were MIA, Nas, Acrobatic, MF Doom, and Kendrick Lamar. So we have Kendrick in common on our lists. Anyway, y'all, we're back in a few here on The Chop Session. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden. This is Boston Free Radio. But right now, here is Tim Hall reminding y'all out there to trust the process when the day looks impossible the couch feels comfortable and sun rays splashing from the bay windows look uneventful trust the process when a conversation with your partner seems daunting and your feelings eat away at your tongue's ability to produce words Trust the process. When depression is the dust that refuses to be swept from the floor, and all you want is freedom from having to clean up the destructive thoughts that fall, trust the process. When song doesn't sound as beautiful, and melody no longer scales your arms with goosebumps, Trust the process. When fear resembles the worn notebook on your book bag, the rarely opened Evernote app on your phone, or the twice folded post-it notes dusting your desk that stare and stare and hover and wait and tire and toggle and are misplaced, then are found and still not used. Trust the process. One, you are tired and the couch is still warm from the imprint of your back. The outside taunts you to smile in its direction. Close your beautiful eyes and feel the heat wash your tired away. Two, your feelings matter and your words hold value, use them. It is impossible for your partner to know the lining of your mind or heart or hurt. Three, when the dust settles, you will still be a person. All pumping blood, 
moving limbs and processing mind. Press your quaking hand against the valley of your chest, the home where your survival lives, the carrier of your liberation. Four. Sound waves need not an ear to be heard, nor a piece of skin to scare. Listen to the silence of your beautiful body and welcome the music in your story. Trust the process of your healing, of your hope, of your deliverance, of your mindfulness, of your pain. If y'all subscribed to the Sterling Collection playlist over on Spotify, you heard that one for several weeks featured within said playlist. This is The Chop Session. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden. This is Boston Free Radio, and we are talking this week with Tim Hall. Now, speaking of Trust the Process, Tim, the EP, the book, Trust the Process, where did the inspiration for Trust the Process come from? Yeah, Trust the Process came from a stone that was given to me by a former faculty member, Caroline Harvey. And I was taking their class, writing class at Berkeley, having a really tough week. They must have noticed that I was down a bit and they they walked around and placed this rock on my on my desk and they said, feels like you might need this today. And I looked at it and said, trust the process. And it stuck with me. It, it absolutely connected with me in, in, a, in a different way or a way that I wasn't anticipating it would. And I was taking this class, this writing class, because I wanted to explore my writing process. I had never written for the page in that formal sense of writing a book or anything like that. I heavily saw myself as a performance-based poet. This class helped to give me some structure, push me to challenge me in my writing ability to 
opened me to new styles, to new writers and authors, forms of writing, and give me a place to practice a lot of that. By the end of two semesters, I had enough, I believe, to put together a book. And it was one of my goals in life to write a book on my own. So I titled it Trust the Process. And this book came out in 2017, 2016, 2017, and became a mantra for me. This poem became a thing that I wrote for myself as a reminder. And a lot of my poetry often comes from that, I think, perspective of writing for myself. A good chunk. So I saw this piece as a thing that was for me, and my hope was that other folks would resonate with it, connect with it, and it would also be helpful for them. A lot of my work and my mission as an artist is about resiliency and encouraging folks to see the power in themselves, their own ability to navigate the different challenges and and things that they are going to be experiencing throughout life and understand that they, they are capable. So it comes from that intention. And over the years between learning about what it's like to write, release, promote a book, I released an, an my first EP colors of my soul at the same time to release that, to workshop that, to perform that, et cetera. It was definitely an interesting time for me and my artistic um, journey because it, it, it's catalyzed a lot of where I'm at right now. And the project, the, the, the project Trust the Process for me was a manifestation of, okay, you're now at a place me telling myself or talking to myself, you know, I'm now at, not at a place where I have the confidence, the the background, the skill set, the practice. Um, I just need to trust myself and and take the next step of releasing another project and fusing, truly fusing poetry and music for me in a unique way that is um I think based on me accepting myself and, and who I am and not trying to be something that I'm not thing really is, is how it, it has shown up from, for me in my life, which has been very liberating, very validating. And I'm, I'm happy that I took my time that I didn't rush it. I didn't push. So this three song EP was um, a, an opportunity for me to say like, yo, folks have been asking, I needed, you know, I really want to give, people something to, to to chew on as I start to work on a follow-up project and so forth. So I'm I'm already in the in the studio working on the next project and, and building off of the momentum of this this time. And I'm I'm trusting the process to be honest. It really like the the poem, the book, that now the project really has been something for me. Yes. You know, I'll tell you this the very first time I heard Trust the Process, the EP, in particular, the title track, you couldn't have had a better setting for it. It was a Sunday morning, and I was walking back to my home 
and it was snowing that morning. Mm. It was like a late, it was like a late February, I think it was, and it was just a snowy Sunday morning. It was like a gentle snow, and you heard this track, and it just, I don't know, man, something about that experience, you know, walking home in the snow on a Sunday morning, and you hear this song reminding you to trust the process. Mm-hmm. It resonates. Something about that experience set with me, you know. And I remember when we were refreshing the playlist, you know, I told him, look, we got to make sure this thing is at the top of the list on Friday. We update every Friday at 5. And sure enough, trust the process, front and center. And I think it's a great message, you know, for people out there who sometimes have self-doubt or sometimes think that, you know, nothing's going their way or that things are getting, you know, too difficult to overcome. You gotta trust the process. You know, and if you trust the process and trust in the universe, everything will come back around as it should. You know. There we go. Indeed. Indeed, sir, you know. Now, Tim, you've collaborated with some of the finest in New England music from Oompa to Will Daly, among others. But in particular, I want to ask you about your work as a member of Still Gold. So yes. what were your first impressions of the group prior to joining? They were dope as fuck. <laughs> like they and were, still are, y'all. Yes, they, they absolutely are. I, I saw them kind of like big brothers, and, and I feel like that now. I'm I'm the young one of the group and the newest of the group and often often get get that uh get placed in that position and it's 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 really beautiful <laughs> for me because in 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 like my my circle with like Cliff and and Oompa I'm often the oldest or one of the oldest so this was being a part of this group and connecting with them and and learning about them um, I, I I just thought that they were extreme. One, I thought they were well polished and had a lot of experience behind them, and I felt like they were mentoring me because it was more so like, "Yo, come and be in the room. Hey, come over, check this out." Over time, yo, you want to play on this gig or like, yo, you want to be on this record or, hey, you know, it'll be dope for you if for you to just come through. And you seem like a cool dude, so. It, it really felt like they vibed with me and they were genuine individuals and they, they are. Um, and, and those were kind of my initial, my initial thoughts. And I remember be, I was a fan. I was purely, purely a fan showing up to shows and gigs just to see them do their thing because I just was in awe of what they were capable of in their performance um, their, their show, the show that they, you know, that we, that we put on now, but that they put on, I was just like, yo, I want to learn. I want to, I want to, I want to be just as polished. I want, you know, I want my show to feel like that. It's such a, it was such a rush to go to their shows and how we met was because, um, just being around Cliff, like Cliff used to work for ARC. Um, at, at Cl- the bridge. Cliff Notes, by Cliff the way, Notes. you guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cliff Notes actually got fired as an intern working for ARC as his oh. got fired as an intern. Interesting. <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> and um, Cliff worked for ARC, and I remember meeting Archetype at Boston Music Awards in 2016. It was our first time going to Boston Music Awards, and I was standing with, there, with him when he won 
producer of the year and that was my first kind of connection and interacting with was still go was through cliff and and the archetype and then just kind of got to know them throughout that time and then got connected to will daily because of because of them archetype and still go were playing at harpoon fest and oompa we were going to see them we're just going to see their set we're like yo we got tickets for saturday because oompa was playing on a sunday so we went the day early just to go say what's up. And Will Daly was talking to Ark, saying like, yo, I really need a saxophonist. As I'm walking up to go say what's up to Ark, he just points to me like, oh, well, <laughs> there you go. I was going to tell you about him anyway. You should go and talk to Tim. And I, I'm talking with Will. Uh, and surprisingly, I'm think, I think Will is a different person because I'm also I've, I was also at that time working with an artist named Avi Swallow. I don't know if you know Avi, folk singer, Americana artist. Yes. They look so similar. <laughs> so at first I'm like, yeah, you know, shoot me a text and Will goes to me like, "Do you who do you think I am because I don't have your number. Why are you telling me to shoot you a, <laughs> shoot you a text?" I'm like, "Avi, right?" He's like <laughs> he just laughs like, "Nope." But we get that all the time. And next thing you know, I'm playing for Will on his album release show and he had never heard me play before. He just, he took the word of arc. Um, and they're, they're very much like that. They, they, they know, um, they have strong relationships. They, they care about their word. They care about their reputation. They care about the environment and the people around them. And uh, it's been really a, a pleasure to be a part of the group now going on three years um, where where I've been a part of it, and in this we have a, a project that we're working on, and you know this is my first time actually being involved in the recording process with them too. So um, throughout the pandemic, we just spent the time making music. We didn't have shows, we didn't have a tour a, a, um, we didn't have tour capability. So our best thing was to regularly check in on one another and make as much music as, music as we could. Well, I'll tell you what, Joe, we're going to have more about Tim Hall here on the Chop Session in a few minutes here on Boston Free Radio. But right now, y'all, speaking of Still Gold, we have for you the brand new track, Massive, as presented by Leeds Edutainment. This one's got Still Gold. It's got Slain. It's got Rex, who was recently on the show also. And you can find this track currently featured on the Sterling Collection playlist over on Spotify. If you're not following it, Please do. We would love you if you did. Here is Massive on the Chop Session. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden. This is Boston Free Radio, and we are back in a few.
out The doggy off his leash, you can't tie in a pole I'm not fucking around, fire is retirement goals Where the word on the street is the biggest liar I know I serve a hater, a pod who perpetrated a fraud, right? Everything I don't work related is godlike King Kong catalog, better brawl all of y'all Attic for the static, you can add it to your Adderall Crawled on the padded wall, written into infamy I have loans to pass, those of you who had an infamy Seven deadly sins playing with me in a symphony As featured on the Sterling Collection playlist over on Spotify, that was massive. Presented by Leeds Edutainment, you've got Still Gold involving Tim Hall. You've got Rex. You've got Slain on that one. And this is the Chop Session. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden. This is Boston Free Radio. We are with Tim Hall. What up? You know, I got to point out about that track. I think I have interviewed every person on that track now with Tim Hall in the studio. I think I've kind of completed the quasi set, if you will, on this one. <laughs> I had Rex on the Chop Session a few weeks back. I've had Still Gold and Mo Pope on several shows over the years. Uh, Slain called into the old morning show years back, and I found out about him and The Rock doing a film together. <laughs> I even had Ned from Leeds nice. on a Dirty Water media show years back. So, hey, big shout out to all y'all on Thank a dope you. track. Thank you. Thank you for the support. It is massive. No doubt, y'all. Somebody had to say it, and it had to be me, I guess. (laughs) Now, for those of y'all who don't know, in addition to his fine studio musician work, Tim Hall is also an assistant professor in the professional music department at Berklee College of Music, an iconic institution of learning founded in 1945, which has turned out a star-studded list of award winners, legends, and Hall of Famers. So, Tim, let's hear more about how you joined the ranks of Berklee's respected staff of educators. Yeah, I I joined when I moved to Boston in 2013. I was finishing up a master's in education from Iowa State with a focus in higher ed. I was teaching in that program, working with first-year students of color and helping them transition to campus, make sense of themselves, do a lot of identity development and support. Um, and and essentially help to 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 support them through through graduation. So um, moving to Boston was uh, a place I was wasn't expecting to working at Berkeley. I wasn't expecting to or anticipating to. I was in grad school. I had an assistantship teaching. I was a fraternity house director, and I was in three bands. And I was gigging like crazy. One of the bands I was a part of. Is, uh, is what's called It's Complicated, and we were the touring band for the Nappy Roots. I was a part of a poetry collective um, and, and everything. So I was very, very, very steeped into the arts when I was living in Iowa, and my a faculty member knew someone who worked at Berkeley. I applied and, and came straight out here, and it's been a blessing. I would have never thought that um, – at the time, I never thought that that was a, an option – for me to to work at a music college. I knew about Berkeley as a musician and was too 
too scared and intimidated to apply out of high school and found myself transitioning to, to Boston, started off as a residence director, worked in there in, in the residence life office for four years. Then I moved to be an assistant director in our career center. So I did that for three years and then transitioned to faculty in the spring of 2020, which was also the year the pandemic hit. Yes. 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 And everybody's lives just took such crazy turns yep. during that time. You know, I ask every guest this question because, well, we also were on hold during that time. So how did Tim Hall navigate the global health emergency as it a creative? Was, uh, it was a, a, a rough transition. Shout out to my wife, Stella, because we made it through <laughs> for sure. There you go. Nice. Yes. Um, thankfully, the transition from staff to faculty I wouldn't have expected it to be such a important part of making it through that time because I'm, I transitioned in the middle of a semester. So transitioning in January compared to a, an August in a college academic year is a challenge in and of itself. But um, I, I transitioned in the middle of a semester, middle of an academic year. And I, wasn't furloughed. I just had a, a lower teaching load in the summer. And thankfully I was able to take advantage of artist relief grants, unemployment, artist grants, and so forth. So the transition for me was to make more space for my art, make more space for building up my company hipstery, make more space for performing, make more space for exploring my consulting work and everything. So it it gave me that it gave me the freedom to actualize these other parts and aspects of me for sure. You mentioned the hipstery group mm -hmm. in there. Let's hear more about hipstery for those out there who may not be familiar with it. For sure. Yes. Hipstery is a digital media production company dedicated to centering marginalized identities in media through music and film. It was founded by my business partner, Cliff Notes. And we are based out of Cambridge, Mass. We produce music, films and events. Um, we have a recording studio. We offer services in the digital media realm as well as event curation and so forth. We have some exciting um, projects coming up right now. We are curating um, a music series with MIT that's happening every month. Um, this May will be over there on May 11th and 12th, I believe, Tuesday and Wednesday, Tuesday from 12 to 1 and Wednesday from six to eight. And um, it's an outdoor music series that we're curating, curating the music for. Nice, nice. Big shout out, by the way, to Cliff Notes, another yes, yes, yes. favorite guest of mine from through the years. And uh, yeah, he does great work out here, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. It goes without saying. That, you know? um, in addition to BAMS Festival, BAMS Fest is, is happening this year. BAMS Fest sounds, stands for Boston Art, Music, and Soul Festival. Mm -hmm. It's a nonprofit um, organization dedicated to bridging gaps uh, between arts and culture for the greater Boston community. And we'll be over at Franklin Park on June 11th for a family-friendly free event that is featuring black and brown businesses. Um, we'll have food trucks. We'll have a space and activations throughout this, the space for families. Um, and we'll have a crazy lineup of artists of which usually 80 or so percent of that lineup is local artists. So definitely come through June 11th, Franklin Park. 
I understand also, for those who may not know, that you're also on the board of trustees at the American Repertory Theater. Yep. So how did this come about? Yeah, being a part of the ART at Harvard has been such a, a, a wild journey and that goes back to my relationship with artists that I'm performing with still to this day. Oompa, still gold. Um, Cliff, we've all performed. We've all headlined there. Um, and that made me familiar with the space. And because of the way in which the ART and the Oberon handled their business, I grew and fell in love with them. They're one of my top venues. Uh, the Oberon was one of my top venues to perform at. And just how they, the, the vibe and the culture that they created in the space, I, I just grew such a love for. And I think anytime I got an opportunity to perform there, I said, yes. So yes, um, from performing with different local artists that turned into, and my frequency there turned into them calling me for other opportunity, performing opportunities to where I started to perform with an artist named Diana O and they are a playwright down in New York. It was a part of a, um, a production called uh, clairvoyance. And that I think then allowed the, the folks at, at Oberon to kind of see a more diversity and more, um, you know, more of my capability. And that then I think grew to me just being a recognizable figure and in, in person, a part of that venue. I'm, I've performed in so many shows that when the opportunity for the ART board to open up the, the, the committee to, to adding more folks, they wanted to, add more of a younger voice, I think, to the board of trustees. They wanted to add more folks that, that are, are tied into the local scene as performers and can speak to, to that, uh, I think, a little more. So uh, my relationships with Mark and, um, you know, the folks that over at, at ART um, and, and so forth, I think, was one of the, the key reasons why I got called on to, to join. And it's been... Uh, it's been beautiful. I think as well as my other involvement from my involvement with BAMS Fest to um, I'm, I'm on one of the community advisory board members for the record company and so forth. So me seeing my self in this community as like Boston and gave me an invitation. Boston welcomed me into this, this community uh, because I'm a transplant and I saw it as an opportunity for me to, contribute to give back to add value to the community in 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 that way and i've i've seen my role as a being a part of of that of that of that board as obviously stewarding and continuing to promote and push the work of the ART but also helping the ART stay connected with the local community what's the most ambitious thing tim hall's yet to do ambitious thing plan a wedding in like three months <laughs> the honesty the honesty in that answer man plan a wedding we got married in october and planning a wedding in, in a few months is tough i mean my i a lot of a lot of my my background is in logistics and event operations so i mean i would say bams festival is is also also one of 
um, you know, my, my, my more ambitious feats and being a part of that, being a part of that team and what we've been able to accomplish, what we've been able to do. Um, you know, by our third year, 2020, we were anticipating 10,000 people in three years of a festival. And that third year would have put us at five or so years in the community. So Bamas Fest is huge. Definitely it was. By the way, y'all, before we wrap up this week, we have for y'all something really dope, some unreleased music from the archives of Tim Hall. So, Tim, what do you got for us? Yeah, it's a, it's a song titled, so far, Silent Virtue. Um, and, and y'all are hearing um, my my music production. So, Trust the Process is um, all all my original composition except for Shade, which is a, um, a, a cover of um, Smells Like Teen Spirit. But Trust the Process right. and... and um, dad did are all my original compositions. Um, this is a, a track called side of virtue. I'm currently working on it and, and conceptualizing, um, of it, but it's all produced by me. And here it is, y'all some unreleased Tim Hall. Check it out. This is the chop session. I am the indefinable Sterling golden. This is Boston free radio. When we come back more on next week's episode of the chop session, but for those of y'all who don't know, you can follow Tim Hall on social media at TV underscore Hall across the board. Please do. He's a great follow. And big respect to all you do out here, Tim. We appreciate you pulling up this week. You're on the chop session. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. More in a few here on Boston Free Radio. Here is some unreleased Tim Hall. <laughs> Thank you. 
Once again, y'all, big love to Tim Hall for pulling up this week here on the Chop Session. That was an absolutely dope conversation. We appreciate Tim for making the time this week to be a part of the Chop Session and share his story with us for the last 60 minutes. This was fabulous, y'all. Next week here on the Chop Session, we have Indie Rock Act Bird Language pulling up to our studio. They're currently featured on the Sterling Collection playlist over on Spotify as well, and they have a new album dropping soon. So we'll hear more from Bird Language next week, 6 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time on Boston Free Radio. And by the way, y'all, in case you sleep on an episode of The Chop Session or you happen to lock in late for a premiere here on Boston Free Radio, y'all can say less because we got you. You can stream each and every episode of The Chop Session on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other find digital streaming platforms. You can also follow the Chop Session on social media, on Instagram at Chop Session Show, and on Twitter at The Chop Session, and your man, the indefinable Sterling Golden, on Instagram at DJ Sterling Golden, or on Twitter at DJ Sterling Golden with one G could not fit two in the handle. Too many characters. This is the Chop Session. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden, and I say stop. Stop.